0: Hey everybody, I'm Peter, and I compulsively hoard eggs. He wants to bust some buckets. It's my
1: Hello and welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode by episode deep dive into the Star Wars animated series,
0: Star Wars Rebels. Ooh. Sweet. How's everything going, Mike? It is fine. <laughs> Perfect. That's the enthusiasm we <laughs> love to bring to the table. It is fine. Sweet, so we are back from our mids, from the mid-season break of Rebels, and this is kind of the first. It's a two-parter. This is the first episode back. They like to do these things where it's one and two, and they kind of bill it as like a, a premiere movie or something like that. Yeah. So much like the beginning of the season, we are talking about Ghosts of Geonosis Parts 1 and 2 together as one episode. And,
1: yeah, and that being said, because it's a longer episode, Hang on for a a little bit of a, a longer recap. Are you ready for this? I am ready. All right, let's mix up a quick. Space refresher and recap what happened in episodes 11 and 12, of season 3, Ghost of Geonosis. After the legendary Saw Guerrero and his rebel squad go missing on Geonosis, the ghost crew is set to investigate. Ezra, Kanan, Rex, and Chopper split off to find Saul, while Hera, Sabine, and Zeb stay behind to salvage a still operable shield generator. Ezra and his group are rescued. ...from a battle droid ambush by Saul who explains that the droids killed the rest of his team and that they were rebuilt by a Geonosian survivor. Ezra, Saul, and the rest of the group then pursue the Geonosian who activates more battle droids which endanger Zeb and Sabine during their mission on the surface. Ezra manages to corner the Geonosian and Saul destroys the control device disabling all of the battle droids. Saul then begins to interrogate the Geonosis, demanding that he tell him where the Empire is and what they are building on Geonosis. In response to his questions, the Geonosin, nicknamed Click-Clack, we'll get into that later, draws two (laughs) circles in the dirt. Not understanding what Click-Clack is trying to say, Saul handcuffs Click-Clack and forces him to lead the team into the ruins. Ezra becomes concerned at the hostility that Saul is displaying, and Rex explains that his sister was killed by a Geonosian-built gunship during the Clone Wars. Meanwhile, an Imperial patrol detects signs of life on Geonosis, now we're into the second part here, and sends scouts to investigate. Underground, Click-Clack leads the team of rebels into his hideout, where he is protecting a Geonosian queen egg. The rebels then bring Click Clack back to the ghost, where Saul begins torturing him and threatens to destroy the egg if he does not talk. Ignoring the crew's objections, Ezra then points out Saul would be no better than the Empire if he destroyed the Geonosian's last chance of survival as a species, mm-hmm. causing Saul to reconsider. However, the Imperial send an attack force after the ghost, forcing it to flee deep underground in an underground chamber. They then find large containers full of poisonous gas the Imperials had used to exterminate the Geonosians. Saw decides to give the Geonosians a second chance at survival and lets Click-Clack go. Click-Clack then flees deeper into the tunnels. The Rebels try to escape with the gas containers to use them as proof of the Empire's atrocities. But they are lost when they blast their way through an Imperial cruiser Bail Organa notes that without the containers, there is insufficient evidence for the Senate to act, but the pictures the crew had taken can be used as propaganda to further the rebel cause. Kanan reminds Ezra that like Saul, not all rebels fight for the same cause or the same reasons, but Hera muses that despite her misgivings about him, Saul proved that he was better than the Imperials. Mm -hmm. Ooh, take a deep breath. That was a big one. That was a big recap. A lot of weird a mm. lot of weird words in there. <laughs> so the theme for this episode, these two combined episodes, is Why We Fight. Oh, I took that name directly from the Band of Brothers episode.
0: Ooh. And
1: an actually wonderful Gatsby's American Dream record. If you ever listen to that band, you're one of the few who have, and I love it. It's a great <laughs> record, great band. And I took the name right from the Band of Brothers episodes, Why We Fight. Because these episodes end with an Aesopian kind of reminder that when fighting with someone for the same cause, you cannot expect them to fight with the same methods or for the same reasons. Why We Fight? The answer is different for everyone and ultimately has them raging against the same machine, but in very different ways. For Saul, it's with extremes, with violence and fear, mongering, He becomes like the machine he is raging against, a very fire-fighting-fire approach that is understandable given the losses he has suffered in his life. Although there are nuances that separate him from the fire he is fighting, you cannot blame him for his approach. You can question it, even try to persuade him otherwise, but you can't blame him. For the notions, unfortunately... For this one named Click Clack, which is a sort of otherizing I won't get into now. (laughs) It is adopting a fleeing from the fire approach, a kind of fireproofing oneself. He goes into a defensive protective mode to try to preserve his very species. How dare he? It's war. Genocide is totally expected. Not a good look for Saul in that moment. Um, for Kanan, by extension, the ghost crew, there is a water-to-fire approach being taken here. They are trying to stop the spread and mitigate the loss of life and livelihood in the process. Though noble, this may be the stickiest approach. It's an approach that we might all say we would take, but the implementation of which is certainly the most difficult. It requires extreme care and precision to stop the spread of this specific kind of fire and hopefully, eventually, extinguish it. It is an empathetic approach, to be sure. A wise approach, but a slow and equally as sacrificial one as the fire-against-fire approach. Tough decisions will come, and unlike fire-against-fire or fleeing and fire proofing oneself approach, there is no clear right or wrong in this approach. So why do we fight? It's against a common enemy, but for different reasons and in very different ways. And someone like Ezra, who I have not mentioned, I believe, lives somewhere between all three of these approaches. Mm. He can see and move between them when necessary. Unlike, I would say, these other three characters and teams who are very pitted in their methodologies. So these episodes theme is why we fight.
0: Lovely. Lovely. Great. Thanks. We, we yeah. That. That's a good point. I like, um, I feel like Ezra, that's one of his, he has a good connection to animals and they make that very, very clear. But I think he also has a good connection between people. He seems to be in the middle ground between differing yeah. opinions quite a bit um, navigating yeah. those waters. And I think that's kind of a nice part of Ezra's character and the balance he brings to whatever group he's in.
1: It's kind of like you. I've noticed this theme that you're a very good peacekeeper and you're always kind of in the middle. I can take very <laughs> polarizing views on things because honestly, I enjoy debate. It's yeah. all so entrenched myself. And even when I don't fully believe in a side, I'll entrench just because I love like the intellectual crossing of swords. And so we'll have a guest on and I'll like really go for it. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm going to really go for it. Um, because I think it's fun. Yeah, um, totally. And I think you are right there in the middle being the Ezra. Well, I can sometimes well, <laughs> I funny. can sometimes be the Saw.
0: I'm a child of divorce. I just don't want mom and dad to fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned Saw Guerrera. Uh there's a, a bunch of cool stuff about this, and I think this is pretty cool because I think this is probably the strongest thus far tie between the animated stuff and the movies. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, we last saw Saw Gerrera in terms of timeline in the Onderon arc of the Clone Wars. Mm. He was a freedom fighter on his home planet of Onderon and trained by the Jedi in guerrilla tactics. Um, since then, he formed the Rebel cell known as the Partisans. Um, the Partisans mm. were also responsible for enough attacks in. That resulted in civilian casualties that eventually the um Empire made a propaganda poster denouncing the Rebel Alliance as a terrorist group, and wow. Mon Matha was forced to officially part ties with the partisans
1: at some Man, point. Man. Man mathma.
0: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um and I also like just a little little note if you remember this arc, Saw was technically trained by Ahsoka. So Mm. That's some synergy. Yeah. Yeah. Some personilitude there. Yeah.
1: It's a word I, I like to use. Yeah. I know what that word means. I, I didn't until a couple <laughs> days ago. I'd yeah. I mean, it.
0: I know what it means, but if you want to tell our listeners what it means, that might be cool too.
1: I love when people uh, like <laughs> I just did learn a new word and look so desperately for any way to use it. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you can, to- I, I feel like I can totally notice when someone does that, when they're like a oh, uh-huh. big word, I'm going to use it.
0: Yeah. It takes some, from ver- m- m- Vermis, mil- I don't even know. How to say it. <laughs> I.
1: I don't even know if I used it right. I think verisimilitude. I think it means when you find truth. Something's a f- confirmed by like it being used more than once. Mm. Some kind of proof, like confirmation of truth. Yeah. Verisimilitude. It's a good one. Exactly what I thought. If you use it in your everyday life, you're the worst, though. But um,
0: <laughs> wanted to
1: use it here and then go like,
0: <laughs> beautiful. I picture you with like a snifter. And you just, like, pushed your glasses up and your tweed jacket. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, So the character um, was originally derived the name from Marxist revolutionary Che Guevara. um, And Lucasfilm Story Group's Curie Hart was the one that suggested that the character be used for Rogue One. Another inspiration for Guerrera's character was Marlon Brando's Colonel Klutz from Francis Ford Coppola's 1979 film Apocalypse Now, which I still have never seen.
1: I, I, I've i seen it, but I, I, I don't know it well enough to be like, yes, I see that.
0: Yeah. Um, so Saw Guerrera was a character that was created by George Lucas with Dave Filoni for the Clone Wars, like I said. And Dave Filoni, this is a quote about Saw, says, Saw Guerrera is maybe the original Rebel. He's the first one in a long line of people who got trained by the Jedi to fight for themselves to save their planets during the Clone Wars. He is the beginning of what would eventually become the Rebel Alliance. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting because it shows, even though they have differing opinions, even though they ended up having to break ties with them, Saw's roots in the Rebel Alliance are deep. Um, one of the founding members. Um, and about his character, I think it's kind of interesting because they talked a lot in Rebels Recon about how much he's lost. Um, if you remember the Onderon arc, he got he got trained up and eventually ended up losing his home planet. So he yeah. lost that. He lost his sister, which they talked about again. Um, and so this is a point actually brought up by Freddie Prince Jr., which I like liked that says that saw when we see him at this point seems to have regressed when we saw him in clone wars, he kind of seemed to have learned from the Jedi and a lot of their values and ways. Um, And now he's desperate and obsessed um, because you know, he people, he he's more of a trapped animal kind of in a corner lashing out. Um, And according to Henry Gilroy, this is a quote from him. When you're continually beaten down, at some point, you'll do anything to win one. And so I think that says something about Saw's character as we see him now. And then in two years, in Rogue One.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if it's, yeah, it's tough. I don't know if it's being beat. I don't know if it's a regression. I don't know. I think that word has too many, like, implications. I think you can have, I think it can be a progression. And just because, like, moralistically, maybe it's not the way you want it to go doesn't mean it's regression. Mm-hmm
0: yeah that's a good point. I think he's coming from it from a sense of the traditional good and evil, I yeah. think um mm-hmm. that so much of the old Star Wars was kind of seeped in, yeah. so you know back in the Clone Wars days, it's like if you're like the Jedi, you're obviously like yeah. a good person, so if you're not like that, then you're aggressing yeah, um, so yeah. That, that's a good point. I like that point that you bring up thank
1: you thank yeah. you about thank you about my point
0: yeah um <laughs> speaking of it being two years. A lot has happened to Sagrera between this episode and Rogue One. A lot has,
1: and that's why I'm like trying to be. Um, I don't know. Yeah, a lot has happened <laughs> to him. To yeah. that's why I was kind of saying in the, this week's theme, like we can't blame him. It's mm-hmm. like I know it's so cheesy, but it's like you know, don't you have to? It's like a blame society thing, but it kind of is. It's like mm. he lost people he loved, and I, for one, don't know what that's like. Yeah. Um and can't imagine in a time of war as you are, especially saw as in a place of power. He mm-hmm. is, like you said, one of the original Jedis who's, he has to be, there has to be some kind of idolizing of him amongst rebels as the, one of the mm-hmm. original rebels. Right. And yeah. so I think you couple that with the trauma he suffered and he almost feels like he feels a certain, empowered responsibility to make Mm -hmm. the empire pay. And that for him just surfaces in a very extreme kind of way. I'm not saying it like makes it okay. I
0: just think (laughs) it's like, this is maybe the reason why. Yeah, totally. Um, he, so in between this episode and rogue one, he lost a leg Mm-hmm. He also seems to have gotten a lot older. Like I thought that it was like 40 years between the two things. <laughs> so no, it's two years. Yeah. Um, he also has breathing problems, which is indicated that, so it's not confirmed that this is the specific event, but I've got to imagine it is that his breathing problems are due to contaminated lungs from breathing in geonosian particles. Um, so I'm assuming they say that he was lost for two cycles. Um so that's probably long enough for him to breathe in those particles so this episode might be why he got that wheezy lung thing and has to be in the pressurized suit with the breathing mask and robe one. That's interesting. Yeah. Um also his eyes change color.
1: Yeah, that, they're like three times super <laughs> they're like super duper green at one point of this.
0: Yeah, so in um kind of wild. In Clone Wars they're like blue, they're really green in Rebels and then forest whitaker has brown eyes
1: yeah it doesn't bother me i'm like yeah, it whatever. doesn't bother
0: me either and i usually wouldn't even bring it up except for it was like noted multiple times on Wiki- on wikipedia like yeah it's like a trivia thing it's like and a fun fact his eyes change color like they're trying to make it sound like canonically speaking something happened that made him change eye yeah, color
1: which it's i don't very want. odd i don't want i don't want any canon explanation for this because anything it's just like i don't want your band-aid canon <laughs> it's yeah, like totally. you just you just flubbed it it's, it's like the Ocean
0: particles. It changes your eye color. I know. Don't, don't even do it. <laughs> he got something in his eyes. Um, and then, oh, this last thing. So I said he was created by George Lucas, but what I didn't mention was that he was originally created for the unproduced live action television series, Star Wars Underworld, which I don't know if you remember those rumors. That sounded so sick. I, I vaguely remember it. Yeah, it was before the Disney sale, after Clone Wars had wrapped up, um, George Lucas toyed with the idea of doing a live-action television series of Star Wars that took place in the underground of Coruscant mm. um, on level 1313, um, which is like where, you know, where the death sticks are. Uh, yeah. um, and so it'd be like about the underworld, the crime underworld of Coruscant, and Sa was going to be a character from that. Mm, um, so it was scrapped. But they ended up pulling it into Rogue One and Clone Wars and stuff like that.
1: Interesting.
0: Or I guess I guess it was before Clone Wars. Mm. Because Mm. I don't know. Then they would have invented it for Clone Wars. Yeah. I don't know, tweet at me if you know the timeline. But I get but he was made for that. So I'm assuming it's before Clone Wars. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then one last note you when we see we're looking for a saw in the episode, we see those helmets on the ground, and they point out they're like, this is a saw symbol. um It's not really easy to see in the episode, but the symbol is kind of a red three pronged arrow thing, kind of looks like the logo for like the target brand like paper plates and utensils. I don't know if <laughs> you've seen that. I don't know what that is, yeah, um, but it's like red thing with three arrows pointing out. And it says that eventually that symbol is combined with Sabine's starbird symbol to create the official Rebel Alliance symbol. So sure. Another okay. tie. And I like that thematically too because it kind of shows, you know, the Phantom Crew and Saga are founding members of the rebellion and you mush them together to get the modern rebellion um so showing some more things about how saw and the partisan's ties run deep they're mm-hmm. not just some fringe yeah outfit that's cool yeah um so i don't know there's a couple things to talk about we could talk about geonosians we can talk about rex and some of this jedi stuff maybe let's yeah let's talk about some of the geonosian stuff sure um I don't know how much I enjoy the like casual throwing around of the name bugs. Um, yeah,
1: there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of like weird implication things. <laughs> yeah. Just in general.
0: Yeah. It just, it just seems like it's not going to age well. Yeah. Mm. going be like, Rex is going to be like a grandpa and he's gonna have like grandkids. And they're going to be like, Hey, those bugs. And be like, Grandpa, you can't say that anymore. Yeah. Dude, dog. um also there's some voter suppression in this episode because they vote to see what goes on and they say voter chopper doesn't get a vote but he got a vote in the earlier seasons so i like that they take away his voting rights just willy-nilly like that yeah it's a lot of problematic stuff in this episode you know they changed their tune and just didn't (laughs) let anyone know yeah totally um so we see click clack um and he has the egg um which is kind of an important thing in this episode do you remember when we were first talking about geonosians the first time that they went to geonosis i forgot what season and we told the story about the queen in the vader comics yeah um who they've sterilized the whole species so she is a queen, but she can't give birth to any little Geonosian babies. Yeah, so she kind of goes a little wonky, and she creates a droid army and tries to kill Vader and
1: all so, this stuff. So many weird things. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but this egg is that queen.
1: They like the the same
0: queen. Yeah. So the canonically speaking click clack gets goes down into the little hole they let him go and he takes care of this queen it hatches and then it turns into because they say in this episode it's a queen egg and then it turns into that queen um and then vader wow. comes a couple years later and murders her <laughs> all right yeah so that's what happened with that happy ending <laughs> sure why it's not? like oh people have a chance nope that's wild okay i know right all right, it's a little disturbing. Uh, yeah. But the they say that Click Clack specifically was created for the show, um, to try to portray a sympathetic geonosian because that hadn't really been shown in Star Wars. Mm. Um, and so the team looked at the 2009 film District Nine as inspiration,
1: huh? Yeah, right? Okay, yeah, I love that movie, yeah, it's a cool movie, but yeah, hmm, okay.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, just, like, a lot of the, like, being scared. Like, there's a lot of the actual, like, motions. Of yeah, that
1: part. Clack. Also, there was, like, kind of jumping off that. There was a yeah. like, part where, like, Ezra, you know, that moment where Ezra was helping click-clack. And, mm-hmm. Like, oh, I think he's scared. And yeah. Rex is like, how can you tell? Like, <laughs> like he's am- amazed that he can tell. And it was, like, the most obvious, like, whimpering in the corner moment. And I'm like, yeah. how can you not tell? I'm like, this doesn't speak positively to Ezra more than it speaks negatively to like <laughs> all of you. Like, what are you talking about?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's totally true. Yeah, it's just, they're just, just a bunch of racists. They just don't even like consider that a kind of bug could have emotions. Oh my gosh, I said it. I can't believe I did. Um, I also like this um bit where Click Clack is trying to obviously show them that they're building the Death Star and they keep saying that it's different things like oh it must be the egg obviously that's what it is or they find the gas canisters and like oh obviously that's what he's showing us the gas canisters nope it's the Death Star which
1: I don't love
0: why I don't
1: know it's just like one of the things that I like about Rebels is it plays a bit outside of like it Mingle's with Mm -hmm. but like plays a bit outside of the star wars world um like are the things we like that made star wars the characters Mm -hmm. um it's like am i supposed to be excited about that because it's like oh they're they're referencing the death star and it's like that's such a i don't know is that cool i'm like Mm -hmm. I, i don't feel like it's cool because it's not happening and it's just referencing and it's it's one of those things where you're just telling like I know what's going to happen with it. Um, And I'm not as interested in that as I am interested in something new. Like, Saw is not as interesting to me because I know what's going to happen to him. So he's like, in this moment, he's saved by canon. Like, there's no Mm -hmm. real peril. As opposed to everyone from the Ghost crew, their storylines are open threads. They could go anywhere. Um, But you introduced, you know, Obi-Wan or you put in Bail Organa or like you like, I know what, when there's a characters who there are no stakes for, mm-hmm. I don't know. I become less interested if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. that I, th- I think that makes sense. And I th- the point about Sagarera having less stakes um, is a really good point um, that I hadn't thought about. And I think that is a real, that's a strength of rebels and the rebel crew. Cause yeah, honestly, until rogue 1 um any of them could have died without us mm-hmm. you know yeah it, it could have come uh, yeah. and not broken anything canonically in rogue 1 we know at least hera and Chopper survived to rogue 1 but who knows what happens after that yeah um so i like that the the reason i don't mind the death star thing is like first of all i do think it's just kind of a bit there's like oh this would be funny but it does have some story themes to it that are kind of interesting to me because, you know, saw came to Geonosis, Geonosis to unlock the secret, the big bad secret about yeah. what the empire was doing there. And there is, they find out at the end that it was like, here's the big bad secret. They used gas to kill the Geonosians. This is our, this is what we're going to do to like, I don't know, turn the people against the empire. But they're missing the bigger batter secret right in front of their face. Yeah. Um, There were a lot of hints, you know, we saw last time there at Geonosis, we still saw the, the rig they had there for the the construction rig they had there to actually build the death star. Yeah. And the empire moved all that stuff. Yeah. Um, We see like shield generators. It's like, okay, what's the empire hiding here? Yeah. I don't know. Just a lot of hints for something that's so pivotal to the galaxy and to the rebellion. And You know, they're they're looking at a picture of the Death Star right in front of their face and no one really gets the hint, which they shouldn't. Um, I don't think like if you inferred from that, that they're like, oh, there's a giant moon sized weapon that could destroy planets from this one little picture. That's not real real realistic, but I do think it kind of shows the obliviousness of the rebellion to how big the threat is to them. And that's kind of a fun touch. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and also I just like the idea that like imagine Rex just he's like he's on uh, Yavin and the Death Star like comes around the corner and he's like oh, so that's what he was drawing. Yeah, I I it's yeah,
1: it was such a bad drawing by like I hate saying his name. I hate saying the word click click. It was such a bad drawing by him. There's no way anyone was going to get it like I know, get some art lessons, bro. Well, it's just like, it doesn't have any, a circle on a circle. It's just like, if I drew you a triangle and a mini triangle inside of it, you'd be like, you're seeing triangles, not like whatever. So it's like culturally, we understand what this means, but like, it's like, it doesn't make sense within the context of the show. I don't, uh, yeah, absolutely. Can we talk about how weird the name is?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: It feels weird, right? I mean, and like, it's just like, so you have to reduce his name down to the sounds that your like, y- you know, galactic basic understanding can handle, <laughs> and it's fine. But it's like, it's like taking a guttural sound from any other language, or like any any sound, and like reducing it down to the ones you can pick out. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to. I'm not going to give any examples because it would be weird. But I don't know. It.
0: Yeah. It's just like there's not a better nickname than like yeah. that trope. I I do. I'm just kind of tired of it. Of just like here's an alien or foreign sounding name. And they're like, oh, I'm just gonna call you blah blah blah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Like I'm trying to think. Like Finn, I think is okay because it's like he doesn't have an actual name. It's not like you're disrespecting him by not calling him. FN, well, it's a, that's like a, that's one a tr- two eight three at seven or whatever. It's
1: a true nickname too. Yeah. It's, fn and totally. just finn it's like okay yeah. that's, that's a clear root but click clack does not have a clear root like yeah if that was part of his speech like that that speech he could have been saying like grocery store in his language and they're like okay we're <laughs> gonna call you grocery store like yeah i don't know
0: yeah totally um it reminds me of so my mom's name is faraday um and i have family members that are quite frankly racist sure um, who just like, won't say her name right. I think my mom's just a fit, just like been like, all right, fine. Whatever is easy for your like Anglo-Saxon mouth, but yeah. it's like, they just can't take the time to actually learn how this person's name yeah. is
1: pronounced. And that's, and that's the bigger thing is like, names are
0: kind of, names are important. <laughs> yeah. Like, totally. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I totally get it. it. It does make me feel a little bit weird. Um, yeah, I don't know if... I mean, I think you touched on it in your in your theme, in your recap, about the brutality of Saw's tactics against Click Clack, um, which I thought was pretty interesting and I thought really effective. Um, a lot of times in the show, it feels like they're kind of pulling a punch. But, you know, when he starts shocking that dude, I was like, whoa. Yeah. The Saw is a different type of person from yeah. the Rebels we are used to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, his turn at the end where, he's, where he kind of like seems to have learned a lesson was a little weird for me, but um, I think they did a good way to very firmly show us like okay, this is where Sauce stands and he's not messing around. Yeah. Um, also, it's an unfortunate time for him to leave his Borgullet at home. Because he's like, I need to know these answers. Tell me what you need. You have a mind reading telepathic slug at your house, yeah. but you just left well, it at home.
1: Not yet. Is that his house right now? Uh
0: I don't actually canonically, I don't think he is holed up there. But I've got to imagine he's been he's been lifelong friends with the Borg. that's just my headcanon. It's just yeah. like they they were roommates from college. Like they just like oh, got I really like close that. doing a semester abroad. Oh, that's way nicer than what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're just like buddies like a sitcom saw and bore it sure i like that
1: <laughs> perfect i'll buy that
0: yeah um they're actually there i feel like i i enjoyed this episode what we'll, we'll get to this no no spoilers but there it's not the most substantive um there isn't a ton to really latch on to in this one that we haven't already touched on did you notice this is a little touch that i do like that uh, Ezra has his new Scout Trooper helmet that you weren't there for this one. Uh, Jonah Marie and I talked about that episode that he when he got the helmet, but we see it now. It has a paint job from Sabine.
1: It's a great PJ. <laughs> uh,
0: I forgot you do that. <laughs> I
1: Anything mean, with the word job? <laughs> paint yeah. Job. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> Um, so we see he has the starboard painted on there, which is kind of cool. And then yeah. if you look from the top, I didn't notice this, but there's a mural of a loath cat's face on the top of it, which Ooh. is super cute. That is cool. Yeah. Um, it's a cute PJ. It's a well, you're
1: not <laughs> using it right there, but
0: yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. Okay, um, also this is just a little note of mine. I don't understand Star Wars technology sometimes. Like in what? Yeah, what world? Nothing to, there's
1: nothing to understand. That's the the base problem. Is you're trying to understand a technology. It's not. It's not sci-fi.
0: But like in what world do you shoot a remote control and it turns off the thing? It's remote. It's a, like controlling in like the same
1: I, in the same world where you shoot a control panel and you can't open the door anymore. Like, yeah, it's, it's the same technology.
0: You would have thought. And for, like, I don't understand how that's even useful. Like the failsafe so your door, your door yeah. opener breaks and now you're locked in your room. Well, the here's what here's it's.
1: It's a different, you know what I'm realizing it is moralistically, it's a different world than ours. Our world always assumes the worst of the attacker or like whoever is breaking the thing. Like we have to protect the owner Mm -hmm. in star Wars world. It's always to the benefit of whoever is like not the the owner. Yeah. Whoever the breaker (laughs) or attacker, they are the good guy. Yeah. Um. So it's just a different moral compass. I. I think that's. Huh, I think this is a good. A good way to frame it. Cause they're like, like, okay, that. we're gonna help the person who broke it. It's <laughs> just like. like yeah. Uh, let's. Let's. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I'm. I'm interested by my own point.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I just like you know I'm in a world where I'm thinking like right now I have I have a recording studio set up in my garage. And I'm like a world where like I drop my garage door opener and it breaks on the ground and then my garage door just closes forever.
1: Yeah, it's great. I mean, it'd be like if I hit your bumper with my car, your car explodes. It's like,
0: <laughs> it's a way better analogy like
1: that. So, like, it's more helpful for me than to you. So, like, maybe the thing is don't own anything. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's really fun. Um, <laughs> there's a couple last things that I have that are just little things, little quick hits before I close this up, but I like uh, the nod after they do the big jump. Um, where he's like I forgot you I forgot they could do that <laughs> which I thought was funny and then he goes yeah he's no Skywalker though and then they both kind of giggle about that
1: yeah like, I like I liked that line I yeah. thought it was I thought it was nice I was trying to like yeah. at first I was like
0: eh. I was like that's fun I was like that's fun yeah and it's just fun because they both know Skywalker so they're like bonding over that yeah it is something that's kind of interesting is like that you get a sense that Saw and Rex are kind of old war buddies from back in the Onderon days. Um, so that it's like it's the same sense you would get like hanging out with a beer and be like, yeah, remember that time back in blah 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 where the S hit the F.
1: And then we had a sick PJ. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's kind of fun character development. And actually the the jump thing that I just mentioned is a little bit cool character development too, because Um, This move we have seen before, I believe the first time we saw it was when they go to Malachor or Mm. one of the Jedi temples. I don't remember, but uh, Kanan throws Ezra across a chasm um, and he does it again. And this time it's a lot further and Ezra lands like really gracefully. And Mm. so I think that's kind of cool showing how much their trainings evolved, how much their synergies evolved. They're becoming closer and, just like a more fluid Padwan Jedi um, mm. relationship, which I, I think is kind of cool to see. Mm. Um, some other little things I like that Sabine says, stupid sand, it gets everywhere. Speaking of Anakin, evidently they have that in common. Yeah. Um, and then, really, the last thing I wanted to chat about is some cool jetpack stuff. So, not only do we see rocket troopers. For the first time in canon i believe you.
1: and they're very competent as well yeah, it's like it's totally. also the first time we see very competent troopers <laughs> which is good
0: <laughs> yeah totally like
1: it makes it i was like this is a good scene yep. because they the stormtroopers are adding actual peril
0: mm-hmm. for the first time
1: which is you don't you don't get
0: yeah totally yeah these uh they're jump troopers and we they were introduced in a couple video games actually back in the old legends days. I remember them significantly from like the Force Unleash games. They were quite the pain and the bee. Mm-hmm. Um, but they brought those in from can from old canon, from Legends, into this. And you know, we've seen them since in Battlefront and things like that. And I think I think I saw maybe a little bit of hint of some rocket trooper shenanigans happening in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, no, I think so. Yeah. That should be really cool. And then yeah. also Sabine's jetpack.
1: She's very good. She's very yeah. good. And this is maybe a foreshadowing of episodes to come this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, totally. uh, you know, her Mandalorian roots really un- unveiled.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think you were there for this one where she gets her jetpack either. Yeah, um but I but
1: yeah.
0: that was kind of cool too because she kind of gets her like like that it like when you see a deer trying to walk for the first time, she's getting her like legs under her, she's a little wobbly with it. Yeah. Um, it gets broken at the end of that episode. So obviously she repaired it and she gave it a sick paint job. Sick PJ. Yep, sick PJ. And this is the first time though we see her being really confident with it, really see like Sabine unleashed. Like mm-hmm. She didn't do this when she first got the jetpack. Now she seems like she's like, oh, yeah, check me out. And she just like whoops these jetpack troopers. And it's so sad. Yeah.
1: Do you know what? If I could get one spin-off, yeah. live action spin-off, it would be on Sabine.
0: Ooh, I'm yeah, most interested be cool.
1: because she is such a badass Mandalorian that um, yeah. I don't know. She's the one who interests me most.
0: Yeah, totally
1: just some last thoughts. I, I was, when I was thinking about the theme and I was trying to, yeah. I usually have three or four and I have, and I go, like, okay, which one is the best or like, mm-hmm. just like is most apparent. One of the, I was trying to figure out a way to include, it and I couldn't, but a lot of these episodes is like dealing with dramatic irony. And like, if you don't know what dramatic irony it's we, the audience know what's happening, but the characters in the show or book or movie, whatever, don't know what's happening. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I knew that, but I'm glad you explained it.
1: Okay. For audience. That's why I did it. I explained it for the <laughs> audience. So that's what dramatic irony is. And a lot of this episode is these two episodes are dramatic irony. We know the outcomes. We know what's happening. The characters inside them don't. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think these episodes are fine. I I don't have any problem with them, um, but I think maybe they are largely leaning too he- like they're too heavily leaning on dramatic irony as mm-hmm. like as the like the, the employed like mechanism to move things along. Or like you take out any dramatic irony from these two episodes, and they're really not good episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what keeps them going. Yeah. And you know, you see it in the Death Star. We know about it. They don't. You see it when. Um, you know, Baylor Organa says, you know, you need to bring these poisonous gas canner, canisters to the Senate and we can take care of it. But the Senate yeah. really can't take care of it because we know they're going to be dissolved soon. Right. Um, or we know what happens to Saul. We know that for those who read the comics, we know what happens to uh, the queen's egg, which actually, I don't know if that came after this episode or before.
0: Um, I don't know.
1: So maybe it, that's not a part, but these other are a uh, part, and I'm wondering how successful that was in general.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I'm trying to think of how I would feel about this without, the, without those overtones. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can separate it, but I think that's a really good point to keep in mind because a lot of kind of, yeah, the thrills of it come from not just like, yeah, like, oh, this is foreshadowing the Death Star and stuff, but, you know, even seeing the Geonosians from Attack of the Clones. Like, so much of the tension of this episode is like, I remember seeing this planet in Attack of the Clones and how many Geonosians were here and how big of a threat in society they had, and now it's a ghost town. Like, that's creepy. That adds a lot of weird tension and mystery to this episode. Um, So I think that is pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, it's... It's really good, and a lot of this I, I I don't know if it actually appeared in Catalyst, the uh, mm. pre-Rogue One book. That's definitely one of my favorite. I'd probably say it's my second favorite, which is Afenine, yeah. um, book in the Star Wars canon. And there is some like Geonosin like um, interplay there that I I wanted to dig up, but I didn't have time to. But there was a lot of really cool yeah. like kind of continuity and canon touching going on in this episode that I I. I think maybe it's too heavy, but at uh I think if they paired it back a little bit it would be like really, really successful, but at times it's just too heavy handed, but I mm-hmm. think that's because this is a kid show, and you need to be <laughs> heavy handed <laughs> yeah. because these are they're they're using really sophisticated um plot devices mm-hmm. that aren't like let's make it very subtextual. It's like, no, this is a kid show, we really need to spell out like. These, the subtext here, because without it, I don't know that these episodes are good. They're just like yeah. about this guy who is too mean. <laughs>
0: Tight. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, and you, you mentioned Catalyst. Remind me, this, this is actually my last point. Um, I missed this note that we were talking about them building the Death Star and how we see all this stuff has moved. Um, and so. It was interesting to me that the Geonosians we know were responsible for building the majority of the Death Star. They're the ones who came up with the fabled Death Star plans, um, and they were great builders, but they couldn't get the laser to work. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why the Death Star has been moved from Geonosis, because they could build everything except for the laser. They couldn't figure out how to get enough power to the array to make the laser no. actually work how they wanted it to. So that's why Krennic needed Galen Erso. Mm-hmm. And that is directly referred to in Rogue One when he first meets back up with Galo. and with Galo. Mm-hmm. That's a cool that's ship. That's a new shipping. <laughs> Galen and Jin. Galen and Kylo. That's okay. my new shipping.
1: <laughs> Jin Erso. The Erso's uh, and Galen. Or the Erso's yep. and uh, Krennic.
0: Yep. Um, so when Krennic comes and sees Galen and he says, the work is stalled. I need you to come back. That's what he's talking about specifically is that the oceans can't complete the work. So that's why yeah. he goes to fetch his old pal Galen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Terrific. Great point. Cool.
0: Did you have any other notes or anything? Uh no. It's just, sweet. Yeah. Let's make off like a ocean and fly out of here.
1: Ooh, good one, I think. <laughs> Um, how we like to end every episode is with our grading scale of our most favorite, current current most favorite thing, Star Wars, to current mm-hmm. least favorite thing.
0: Peter, do you want to give an example of uh, yeah. this? My favorite thing in Star Wars currently is Ray pulling the lightsaber out of the snow in Force Awakens, whizzing past Kylo Ren's face. My least favorite thing is everything... Wait, is that be- this season's? This season's isn't the... I thought this. Yeah, that's this oh, oh, okay. I thought this season's
1: <laughs> was the throne room fight. Okay, maybe not. Sorry.
0: Getting that was like so. first season or
1: something. Oh, uh, okay. Okay.
0: Cool. 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 Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, my least favorite thing is everything C three PO has done at any time other than in the original trilogy. Between those two things, this episode is the Borg Gullet. Wow. Borg <laughs> Gullet. Um, because I genuinely, unironically, like the Borg God. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So for me, this is like a B.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mine. Yeah. Mine's really close. Um, on a scale of my current most favorite thing being mm-hmm. the battle between Obi Wan and Darth Maul on Tatooine, which mm-hmm. yep, 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 and the um, entirety of the nineteen ninety seven re releases, just every change mm. about everything that's different. I similarly was going to give this episode a bore gullet. <laughs> and I kid you not. Know, and, and maybe it's because we're being too obvious, like <laughs> Saul, Guerrero. like
0: Yeah. But maybe
1: I ha- a lot of people are have bat like aren't stoked about it. I don't think if I heard the criticism I'd <laughs> would be bummed about it. Like yeah. I I was like socially influenced. But I give it like a yeah, I similarly I give it like a B minus, isn't me. Okay. It doesn't feel like I think about that The kind of analogy I bring up a lot of, if you had to take out every unnecessary episode, would this episode be in the rebels arc? This Mm -hmm. one, I think has to be.
0: Yeah. Because it gives
1: larger context to that theme. Again, Mm -hmm. why we fight and what they're doing. So I, I think this has to be there.
0: Totally. And I think that's, speaking of the theme, I think that's going to be a recurring theme going on, because the more and more we get ingrained with the greater rebellion, we're going to see Saw clashing with Mon Mothma and their philosophies clashing. Yeah. Um, So I think that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on as we go forward. Yeah, I agree.
1: well great well um thanks for listening um we're really racing through this season um you know where to find us peter where is that
0: rebels rebels pod on everything except for facebook we don't have a facebook but you can find us at rebels rebels pod on instagram or on twitter and please hit us up there leave us a review on itunes that's super duper duper helpful um, and you can also email us at RebelsRebelsPod at gmail.com.
1: That is right. And remember, mm-hmm. until next time, to be brave out there. Don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. Bye.